Begin by reading verses 30. Uh, begin by reading verse 38 tonight, and then we'll move move on. If you were here with us last Wednesday night, you know that we were talking about the latter part of Acts chapter 2, verse 38. We know that as we've been studying from the book of Acts chapter number 2, that basically the point that has been made in the preaching of uh, uh, of Peter is that you killed him, you the Jews killed him. God raised him, and he is, of course, the, the Lord and King, as he came to the conclusion of that. And so the people ask in verse 37, what shall we do? And so Peter gives them the answer there in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. He said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, last Wednesday night, again, if you were here, we talked about the Holy Spirit uh, I, I spoke a little while, then I led Eddie up here, and he spoke a while. And, and even though he didn't, I mean, even though it wasn't right, you know, when he was up here talking about it, uh, we let him talk anyway. No, we, we, we kid about it. And as he said last week, there's, there's no animosity. We talked about last week, Brother Guy in Woods and Brother uh, Gus Nichols and their disagreement between, uh, up on this particular point here. But we will, in, in a small way, revisit that tonight, not here at this point, but we'll have to as we continue on in, in the chapter. Okay, so he gives, the, he gives the response, he says, repent, be baptized, so forth. And then we come to verse 39, which is a continuation of his response. Okay, remember, and we say this hundreds of times, I know since I've been here, that there are no chapter and verse uh, when the original was written. There was no verse separations and so forth, no chapter separations. And so Peter is continuing on with his thought here. He says, for the promises to you or for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Okay? So we want to talk about that, and uh, before we actually get to the promise part that's mentioned at the first part of verse 39, I want to go to the latter part of verse 39, and I want to see who the promise is for. Okay, so let's, let's deal with that just a little bit in, uh, tonight. Number one, when we think about the first ones that he mentioned, he said it's for you. So who is he talking about when he makes the statement that the promise is for you? Y'all can answer out loud. I'm not... Uh, uh, who, plain language, he said, the promise is for you. The Jews, the people that he's talking to right there at that particular point. You know, that, that's not hard for us to grasp. He, he, he says, I'm talking to you, okay? And, and, and they're the ones who will be responding to him. And so he says, the promise is for you. And then he says what? It is for your children. Who, who are those? Who are those? Now, it depends on who you ask who those are. If you ask some of the denominationalists, they would say, well, the children have to include the infants that are born into the family. And so this is one of the places where they would get uh, uh, baptism, you know, for infants and so forth. And I don't want us to get off in the weeds on that tonight. We all understand that there's more involved in baptism or one who is a candidate or one who is um, uh, uh, about to be or supposed to be baptized. There has to be faith. There has to be repentance and all of those things. And so we, we understand that he's not talking about the infants in the households that were there. 
And we'll come across that a little more uh, as we go through the book of Acts, and we'll, we'll add a little bit more to it there. But it's to their children or their offspring, the ones who would, would, would be after them, who, who would be their children, their grandchildren, and so forth. Okay? And so we've got the ones who are there that day. We've got their children. And then he says, and for all who are far off. Who's he talking about there? The Gentiles. Now, how do we know that? Let me give you a couple of passages we want to go and look. And we want to see a couple of times in the New Testament where that same idea is presented to us. So when we think about that, first place I would probably go is the book of uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and look at verses 11 through 13. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. Somebody read that out loud for us tonight. Now listen close. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You who formerly were far off. That's the wording, isn't it? That's what Paul, I mean rather, uh, Peter says here in Acts chapter 2 verse 39, the promise is to those who are far off. I have always believed that it's best to allow the Bible to be its own commentary. And so when we go and we find who the Bible says are those who are far off, uh, we'll come to understand it. Stay in Ephesians chapter 2 because we're not finished there. Go to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 17. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 17. Okay, and depending upon which translation you're reading from, you still have the same word, those who are far off. He came and preached peace to you uh, who were far off and peace to those who are near. We have two, a, a distinct group, two distinct groups that are mentioned here. Who are those who are far off? Well, he's already identified them as the Jew, or the Gentiles rather. And so who were the ones who were, would be near? that he came and preached the same thing to, came and preached peace to, uh, who were they? The Jews, Jews, okay. So that's that's still exactly what we got here in Acts chapter 2, verse 39, isn't it? Those who are far off. Uh, Verse 19 of Ephesians chapter 2, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And so he brought them together. That's Paul's point in Ephesians chapter 2. He brought us together in one, made one new man in the church, in the Lord's church. And so there were some who were far off, some who were near, and we understand that. One more passage that I want you to look at. Let's go back to the book of Acts, and let's see if we can find something that has to do with those who are far off. Look at Acts chapter 22, verse number 21. Acts 22, verse 21. Now, While you're turning over there, let me ask you a question. In Acts chapter 22, who are we reading about giving the story of his conversion? Anybody know just off the, the, just by what I just got through saying? 
Paul is giving the story of his conversion. Now, let me ask you this. Who, who was Paul sent to? We sometimes refer to Paul as the apostle of the Gentiles, right. Now, look at, look at this passage in Acts chapter 22, verse 21. Okay? This is talking about him being on the road and Jesus appearing to him. And so what did he say? Where is he sending him? And he said, and he said to me, go for, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. That's the, same, that's the same phrase that's found here in Acts chapter uh, 2, verse 39. Uh, it's a two-word phrase, okay? And so he is saying that I'm sending you to those who are far off. I'm sending you to those who are far off. Who are they? Well, Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles, okay? And so the promise is to the Jewish people who were alive, to their descendants, to the ones who were far off. And then finally, he got a fourth group there, doesn't he? Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself is the way that the English Standard translates it. And that's a fairly decent translation. Uh, the word uh, uh, means, uh, it's uh, a word which means to call to one, call to one. So he's calling them to himself, calling them back, as it were, home. But, but who are they? Who, who are they? Those who are uh, everyone whom the Lord calls. Is that uh, the Lord speaking some kind of magical words in their ears? How does the Lord, let me just ask it this way. How does the Lord call all who he calls? By the gospel. Where do we find that? See, we can say that, but we want to know, thus saith the Lord. We want to know what the Bible has to say. Turn to the book of 2 Thessalonians, okay? And look at verses 13, uh, chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Tommy, you got it? All right, to this he called you, to the promises that he gives them there in verse 13. He calls through the gospel. Have you ever heard someone say, you know, I'm waiting for my call? Waiting for my call. Sometimes when you hear a denominational person talk about waiting for their calling or somebody talking about they were called, what do what they refer to? A lot of times they'll refer to some kind of sign that assures them, according to Calvinism, that they're one of the chosen, one of the elect, if you will, and so they're waiting for that sign. It's interesting to read some of the Restoration history in regard to some of the men who were prominent. Raccoon John Smith was especially one of them. And uh, he, kept waiting on, he kept waiting on his sign, and he never could get one. And, uh, you know, it's interesting reading his story, and he finally understood the gospel rather than, uh, than coming to the conclusion that he was waiting on some, some kind of uh, miraculous thing for God to do. But God calls us through the gospel. Every person who is called to God... It's called through the gospel. So as we look at it, we see that. All right, so we got the four groups, to the Jews, you, to your children, their descendants, to those who are far off, 
Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I think I quoted that from the King James Version, but as we look at it here, uh, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And so, uh, we've answered how we're called, but who is that? Who, who are those? I mean, if you're not a Jew or a Gentile, who could that... Everybody's a Jew or Gentile one, right? And so anybody that is called hears the gospel of Christ, okay? So that promise is to them. All right, so let's now, having talked about the latter part of verse 39, let's go back and talk about the first part of it. Let's talk about the promise part. He said, the promise is for you. What promise? All right. Number one, as we look and again look at the scripture itself, uh, what, has, what has Peter, as it were, mentioned in verse 38 first? If they repent and are baptized, forgiveness of sin or remission of sin, depending upon which translation you're reading from, okay? And so the remission or the forgiveness of sins is, is uh, uh, mentioned here, but the promise... Uh, does it just refer to what Peter says here in verse 38? Or has there been a theme throughout the Old Testament? If you were here with us this past Sunday morning, we started talking about Jesus in the Old Testament. What is the theme of the Old Testament? We're getting the Savior into the world, are we not? And we've got a promise back there that's made... Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we mentioned it. It's somewhat of an obscure promise, but it's still a promise that, uh, uh, that the seed of the woman would crush Satan's head and, and he would, Satan would bruise his heel, of course. But is there another specific promise having to do with the same thing that Peter's talking about here in verse 38 in regard to forgiveness of sins? That is spun throughout, that runs throughout the Old Testament? Genesis Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. So somebody turn over there to Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Read that for us real, sort of of swiftly tonight. All right, so is that a promise that God makes to Abraham? Okay, it doesn't say a promise there, does it? But we understand it as a promise that he makes to him. Look at Genesis 26, verse number 4. Now, there are other passages, but for sake of time tonight, we'll just look at this one. Genesis 26, verse 4, because it'll help us understand. Okay, And by your offspring, the way the English standard puts it, shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Who is he talking about? What, what kind of promise is God making to Abraham? 
Through your offspring shall all nations of the earth be blessed. What's, what's he talking about? What blessing? What blessing? If you follow, again, follow through whole, the whole Old Testament, what's it about? Getting Christ onto the earth. All right? And so the promise is made to Abraham that it would be through his offspring. But in particular, he's talking about Jesus Christ, is he not? So I just assert then that it's Jesus Christ. No. Go to the book of Galatians in the New Testament. Galatians chapter 3, look at verse 16. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say to seeds as referring to many, but rather to one, and to your seed, that is Christ. So, I'm not left to wonder about that promise, am I? In the New Testament, Paul, by inspiration, says, hey, let me tell you what God was talking about when he was talking to Abraham. He was talking not about the whole family, but he was talking about one in particular, was he not? And that one in particular, Paul identifies here in verse 16 as, as Christ. Okay, so as Jesus Christ. And so what had Peter just preached In Acts 2, he just got through preaching Christ. And Christ is, God has made him both Lord and Savior, right? And he gives them the authority by which they are to be baptized and the authority by which they are to have the forgiveness of their sins, does he not? And so the promise is not just the simple thing that he says, but the promise has been the promise that has been coursing through the Old Testament and culminates here on this day, the day of Pentecost, when salvation is offered through Christ for the very first time for these people who would become obedient to him. And so the promise is for you and your children, and and, and so we have the promise of the remission of sins, okay? Okay? Is there another part to that promise that is mentioned here? Is it just forgiveness of sins that Paul, or rather Peter, I keep saying Paul, but it's Peter that preached here. Is it just the remission of sins that he promises, that he mentions? What's the, other, what's the latter part of it that we, we spent our entire time talking about last Wednesday night? Receive the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so, is the Holy Spirit here part of the promise that is being given by Peter to these people, to their children, to those who are far off, even as many as the Lord shall call? Yeah, it is. There's no doubt about that. Now, Let's talk about that promise of the Spirit, though. Okay? Go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded 
commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Okay, so he was assembled together with them. He who? Jesus, before his ascension back to heaven, was assembled with the apostles, telling them to stay in Jerusalem and wait on what? The promise of the Father. What, what is that going to be? I mean, we've studied it. So what is it going to be? What was the promise that he made to them? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon them. Okay? Look at Acts chapter 2 again. Look at verse 33. Okay, so Peter identifies the promise there as being what? Pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And it was the promise by the Father, or from the Father, the promise of the Holy Spirit. He's poured it out. And you're seeing and you're hearing. Okay? Uh, let's go back to the book of Galatians for a moment. Look at chapter 3 in the book of Galatians. And look at verses 13 and 14. So now what, what did Paul, uh, yeah, Paul on this occasion, <clears throat> make sure I get the right P there. What did Paul on this occasion, what did he talk about? Talking to the Gentiles, talking to the Galatians. What's the first thing he mentions there in, in latter part of verse 14? That the blessing that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham is coming to who? Is coming to the Gentiles. What, what is the blessings that's promised to Abraham? Well, that's what we just got through talking about, wasn't it? Genesis 12, Genesis 26, and so forth. That's what we just got through talking about. And matter of fact, we went to Galatians chapter 3, verse 16 to establish that fact. Right? That's where we went. Okay? But I want you to notice something else. Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might do what? Receive the promised Spirit through faith. What Spirit is promised through faith? Y'all don't all answer at one time. It's just one at a time, that's all. What is the Spirit that's promised through faith? Let's stay in Galatians 3 and let Paul tell us. Galatians 3, verses 1 and 2.
Okay, so we just looked at that the uh, so that they might receive the, that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Who received the promised spirit through faith? Who? The Galatians. He's talking. Oh, foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Let let me ask you only. Uh, let me ask you only this: Did you? receive the Spirit by works of the law or by the hearing of faith. That's the theme throughout chapter 3. Okay, What Spirit is he talking about? Holy Spirit, yep. What does he mean by it, though? Look at verse 5. So the one who supplies the Spirit and works what? Where? Now that's the translation. The literal translation is in you. Matter of fact, that's the, that's the translation of the word itself, or transliteration of the word. It's literally E-N, or our letters E-N, but it's in you. Now, what were they doing? What were these people doing? What is working a miracle? Is that a miraculous gift? Or spiritual gift? Huh? That's what it sounds like. Yeah, go back to the book of First Corinthians, chapter twelve. First Corinthians chapter 12. Look at verses 8 through 10. This is what he's saying to some other Gentiles, to the Corinthians, the church at Corinth. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. So what was promised? Number one, remission of sin. Number two, the Holy Spirit. But we've identified in Scripture where he talks about the promise of the Spirit, not just the baptism of the Spirit upon the apostles, but the promise of the Spirit that was to come to who? The Gentiles. And we've also identified what kind of promise, what kind of Spirit that he's talking about that was promised to the Gentiles in Galatians chapter 3, verse 5, where in part he says they worked miracles. What had been happening, again, and I know Eddie's going to disagree with me, but what had been happening on that day in front of these people? What had they asked about? What's going on? And they made, even some of them made some 
snide comments, you might say. Well, they've been drinking a little bit this morning already. Do you think, is it really, is it really being true to the context to take what they're asking about and what he's promising and making two different things out of it? Why would these people need that? Where were they from? He gave us a whole list of places. Do you think they were all going to continue to be in Jerusalem? That they were going to learn everything that they needed to from the apostles? No, they needed some help along the way. It's my contention that God provided it for them through the miraculous. I I would also submit that this is not the only place in the New Testament where this concept is taught. What happens in Mark 16, verses 15 and 16? Go into all the world, preach the gospel. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. What does verse 16 through 20 talk about? Follow who? The ones who are mentioned before that, right? Well, who are they? Those who are taught the gospel, believe the gospel, and are baptized, right? And so when we go back there and, and we look at it, Uh, in accordance with what is said there in Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. And these signs will accompany those who specifically believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. They will drink deadly poison. And it won't hurt them. And he goes on there. Does anybody contend that that... Yes, there are some denominationalists that are out there that contend it, but any among us who contends that that continues on today? (laughs) Why don't we contend that today? Because we know 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and Ephesians chapter 4 both say that those miraculous things will Cease. They will end. If we can come to that conclusion there, surely we can come to that conclusion here. One more thing. Look at Joel chapter 2, 28 through 32. Really quick, because we're running out of time. Joel 2, 28 through 32. Now, while you're turning there, That's where Peter says, that's where he goes to address the promise, is it not? And where he says, this is what's happening today, right? So what, somebody read it. (laughs) 
stop right there for just a second. Who is this going to be poured out? This seems to be a miraculous thing that he's pouring out, doesn't it? Who's he going to pour it out upon? Meaning, Jew and Gentile. Now we know the baptismal form came on the day of Pentecost to the apostles. We also know that the baptismal form came to the Gentiles at the household of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. But we also know that both Jew and Gentile received the laying on of the apostles' hands in order to be able to work the miraculous gifts and speak in tongues and do those things. But continue on there in verse 32, Tommy. Did Peter get through talking about what Joel wrote about back up there in about what, verse 20? Or did he finish up in verse 39? Look at the last part of verse 32. He speaks about those whom God calls. Even as many as the Lord our God calls. Hmm, something to think about, isn't it? If Eddie wants to respond next... <laughs> we'll give him his 10 minutes at the beginning of class next week. <laughs> All right, we've got to quit. Bell's wrong.